1: Well, if you didn't know it yet, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Kind of an unofficial national holiday when we celebrate the best, the most powerful, the greatest. We celebrate the blessed from this football season. Kind of a contrast to our reading for today, isn't it? And the blessings there. Not that the Super Bowl teams are corrupt in any particular way. I mean, the Patriots aren't playing after all, right? No. I know who I'm offending right now. I know, I'm sorry. That's actually going to come back to me in this sermon. It kind of undermines what I'm saying today. But um, they're in our heads, maybe. That's all it is. But these teams have played their way to the top. And as athletes say, or hopefully say, and even performers of all kinds would say, you know, let your actions speak louder than your words. Or leave it on the field, or the pitch, or whatever it might be. Well, Jesus certainly embodies that for us today. Although we just hear his words to us today, his teachings, we can look back at the, first, or at the last chapter and see that Jesus has been very active. He's been baptized. He's been anointed by God uh, for a particular mission. He's been sent out into the wilderness and survived the tempter's best that he could throw at him. He's come back from the wilderness and he's begun to heal and to cure people of all with all kinds of needs, in other words, Jesus already comes into this, this teaching with um, with actions to back his words. And now Jesus speaks directly to those who suffer, to those who are persecuted, to those who are in deep mourning, and he makes strong promises. But before you kind of run out to try to seek after some of these promises or to kind of get into some of these categories, before you run out to try to seek a life of suffering, or before you kind of go, well, I don't find myself in any of those blessings and sort of write this word off, wait for a moment, because I actually think it won't take too much to find yourselves in these blessings and in Jesus' words. Now let's start by getting something Crystal clear, okay? The Beatitudes are not a list of ways we should do better. I mean, really, if only I could be more spiritually poor, doesn't sound right, if only I could get persecuted in some way for Jesus' sake, maybe I should be a little bit meeker, or maybe I should wish for something bad to happen to me so I could mourn doesn't make any sense does it and it also kind of individualizes this this saying from Jesus or makes it kind of our work in other words it dumbs down what Jesus is saying today and just makes another to-do list for us but just like the commandments that were given to Moses just like they were were much less of a list of to-dos or don'ts and much more of an invitation to live under the gracious rule of God so these words spoken by Jesus function in very much the same way. They're a vision of the kingdom that he offers. And he kind of, he kind of paints a picture of this kingdom for us with the brush of promises. We often say blessed, both readers in both services say blessed, and there's nothing wrong with those words. But what we don't want to do with the word blessed is kind of see these these promises that Jesus makes as kind of like, oh, aren't you blessed for your suffering? We don't want to dumb them down. We don't want to wimp them out, so to speak. These are powerful claims and powerful promises that Jesus makes for us and for the world today. It kind of helps me to use a little bit of volume and a little bit different pronunciation with that first word. Blessed. Blessed. Are, though, are, the, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. These powerful promises need to be boldly proclaimed. And the power of these promises actually reminds me of my favorite scene in the movie, uh, Glory. Glory. The night before is kind of, it's kind of a culminating moment in the movie, and I won't spoil it, but the night before this all African-American battalion is about to attack this impenetrable fortress, uh, this impenetrable, impenetrable um, um, confederate fortress, these men gather around the fire that night to pray. And they, they kind of have this, this sort of, of theme that continues to, to circle through their, their prayer, almost like a theme song. <clears throat> It goes like this it goes oh my lord 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 oh my lord 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 and then as men as some of the men come up and begin to pray or begin to ask for God's mercy and protection there's there's this undercurrent that kind of lifts them up not kind of it just does lift them up as they pray and it just the clapping gets quieter and they just simply hum mm mm-hmm. 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 And it continues to flow as they, as they pray and they reach out to God. There's this foundation, this, this theme song, as if these, <clears throat> if these are these, these core promises that they're relying on, a theme song for God's mercy, and a theme song reminding them of God's love for them as they go into this battle that seems almost hopeless. Well, if these words of Jesus are our theme song, if these are core promises and not just another to do list, if these promises claim to such as these that Jesus gives them to, then what is our call as Christians to follow him? Well, perhaps it's to see uh, the world in the way that Jesus kind of turns it on its side. This kind of, at least with his words, it's a simple turn, but really, if you think about it, it's quite revolutionary. It turns the world upside down, as, as if we might clamor past uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, if it, there was like an autograph party at the Super Bowl, we would clamor past Patrick Mahomes and others leaving their pens full, and we would, we would go towards, you know, the, the orphaned immigrant that has come into this country or something like that. We would want to get their signature, their blessed signature. But is this really even realistic? Can we live this way? I mean, have you ever seen someone in, Uh, deeply in grief and thought to yourself wow I really envy them how blessed they are honestly when I, I think when we take these words of Jesus these promises seriously this radical shift that Jesus calls for and calls out in his words today and maybe especially if we see it from kind of this perch of privilege we can see a very rational worldly wise reason for his execution I mean you can't function in the kind of kingdom that Jesus is presenting to us it can't work can it remember I said before that Moses and the Ten Commandments were more of uh, an idea of how uh, uh, God's people would live under God's rule more of an idea a practice a reality they weren't just this oppressive to-do list that we sometimes treat them as but it was how to live under God's rule of justice but no one lived them perfectly. We don't either. Not even Moses lived them perfectly. An upside down kingdom did not work. The people of God in their history moved from, uh, uh, they moved on from God to having kings over them and, and different kinds of rulers and they, and they looked to gods other than, the, other than the God we worship. In fact, in Jesus' day, and of course not in ours, right? But in Jesus' day, the commandments were used as a way to kind of make a demarcation between those who were holy and those who were unclean. We would never do that, of course, right? Who was in? Who was out? But Jesus takes that rational thinking to task. Jesus cuts down that iron curtain with what seems to be foolish to us. By the way, he'll absolutely uh, upend the commandments Uh, At the end of the chapter, if you read on, when you get home, murder, adultery, better than Hulu or Netflix, for sure. Um, But even in this first beatitude, even when Jesus starts, and I think he starts here particularly, in that first beatitude, he takes lethal aim at our biggest barrier for this vision of the kingdom. He goes back to the original sin, truly, and he takes aim at our human judgment. He claims kingdom of heaven rights for those whom we would judge. Here's kind of how it works. I need somebody with really good self-esteem, somebody really confident. Anybody? (laughs) All right, there she is. I was gonna, all right, so stand up. And what's your name so people know? Jillian, Jillian, right? So if I were to say to you, oh, Jillian, what's she doing here? Jillian, oh, she's a sinner. I mean, Jillian has no hope, no future. You know, just get out of here. For... <laughs> well, now hold on, <laughs> and then I would have say, "For yours is the kingdom of heaven." What happens to all the words that I've spoken before? Uh-huh. Yeah, ha ha. Right What's that?
0: It went right back in your
1: face. It went right back in my face. Yeah, it, it kind of did, right? One finger pointing at you, three pointing back at me, right? Jesus, thank you, Jillian. Appreciate that. I don't think any of those things about you, by the way. Um, but it takes it takes our judgment. It takes the divisions we would make. Our human judgment, our human ideas, our rational wisdom, and it just cuts it off at the knees and throws it out. It is to be no more. Now maybe we should practice this with some present day issues today, huh? Have a little participation from you. All those of of you for impeachment, over here. All those who who think the trial is political hoo-ha, over here. And then just pick a neighbor and go to town and let's see how you do. Nobody's moving, so I don't know, I guess we could try another one. Should we try something else? I don't know. Yes. (laughs) Fair enough. Abortion, gay marriage, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. We could stay for a while. We can lock the doors. You guys want to do this? But seriously, how are we doing with this stuff? How are we doing? Now, I don't want to minimize these issues. They are important issues, and I understand that. I don't want to minimize your faithful passion. But honestly, how are we doing? Reflecting God's righteousness in our relationships versus rolling around in the stink of our own self-righteousness. I don't want to tell you how I'm doing. How's it going for you and those around you? Because that will affect how our eyes focus on the vision Jesus offers or whether we will be able to focus on it at all, I believe. Pastor Paul noted we should probably, um, only partly joking I think, but noted that we'd probably be more comfortable with our opening song if we sang, we are called to love judgingly. <laughs> that feels a little more comfortable, doesn't it? Feels a little more, more home, <laughs> or like home. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, I think that's kind of the wrong question for us today, honestly. Because Jesus lays out what the kingdom looks like, but then he lays down something much more, something much more valuable. He lays down his life for these promises. Jesus dies for our collective sin of division and hatred and cruelty and war and seeing one another as less or outside or unclean or whatever other label we might put on. I know we have to have sense. I know we have to make decisions about our relationships and choices and things like that. But when it comes to that ultimate task of sitting in God's judgment seat, we just simply aren't welcome or worthy to be there. Jesus will not stand for our kingdom, and so our kingdom will lynch him for it. George Patton once said, live for something rather than die for nothing. Tupac Shakur said, If you can't find something to live for, you best find something to die for. And perhaps most pointedly, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said, If you haven't found something you are willing to die for, you aren't fit to live. Well, Jesus gives us something. He gives us promises today that he's willing to die for. And in doing so, he gives us something to live for, something to live into. We may take different forms, living this out, certainly. We may have different opinions, different politics, different approaches. But we never take the form of oppression, or selfishness, or a blind eye, or our own judgment, and on and on. At least we don't lead with that. We don't do it intentionally. That isn't our calling. I mean, truthfully, in all of this, we kind of have little to offer, and we have much to receive. I think sometimes we kind of get into this pattern and it's not a bad pattern, but we get into this pattern that we try and we try and we can't live up. We can't fulfill the law. We can't live up to God's expectations. We need God's forgiveness in Christ. We need to be made whole again. Now, again, there is nothing wrong with that, but what if we kind of turn that around a little bit? What if the turn that we're really to pay attention to today is that we start in a different place? What if we start with the love of Jesus, not with our own actions, good or bad, success or failure? What if we take time, and I mean deep time, and focus on the height and the depth and the breadth of God's love for us in Jesus Christ? We just start there, like every single day, and maybe end there every single night. Mm hmm. Mmm. Mm-hmm. We get a theme song, a visionary song, a fight song. What if God set our vision before we even acted? Let's say, what if we walked humbly before our God first, as Micah says to us today? What if we started our day on a hill with Jesus looking around at the world? which he certainly, the hill that he took the, the disciples up to was not an escape. It was a place where he could see all that was going on. The good and the bad of the world, for sure. What if we went up on that hill with Jesus and looked around at the world near and far, seeing the widow, the orphan, and the foreigner in our land as blessed, the mourner as blessed, wrapped in the arms of Jesus, our enemy as our kingdom neighbor. And when we fail, we ourselves receiving that promise from Jesus as well. The kingdom of heaven belongs to you too. In other words, what if we loved God's mercy first? To begin, to start, and even to end our days. In Micah, again, to love kindness makes it seem kind of like our work. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Now, I'm good with a lot more kindness in this world. Anybody with me on that one? Okay, all right, that's good to know. But as Pastor Bill pointed out this week, the word used here is associated more with God's mercy than our kindness, our action. I checked it out, and guess what? Bill Ocheck was right. He was right. Not uncommon. So what if we are first to see with God's mercy, to reflect God's mercy as our lens, to see through it, to see the world as God does, and let your life be convicted and your actions fall. Follow after that, not as a last resort, but as a first action, receiving the promise, blessed are you. This is the kingdom Jesus brings us. Thanks be to God. Amen.